So this series has been about uh, praying for one and um, just be on the lookout for that sharing of God's love for the one that is being put in your path. And my story is about uh, a guy at work named Jerry and uh, how we actually came to know each other. He kept walking by my conference room and peering in and one time during break, he walked by and I saw him look in and I said, hey man, but I didn't remember his name. I didn't know much. I didn't know anything about him. I just knew that he worked for the same place I work at. And so we were, uh, he comes in and, and at that time, he just really started talking to me about his life. It was not, um, there was no, hey, how's it going? How are you doing? It was actually kind of startled me. I, I was not expecting it. But then I, I just started to see his heart being poured out and like him talking to me about things that he's really struggling with. And and that helped me to, to see that this wasn't a moment that I made. And, uh, and and I was really just wanting to hear him for what he was saying. And I, I understood where he was coming from. He was talking to me about the struggles that he was having because his family was back in Phoenix and uh, different, different things. And, uh, you know, he just, we started talking about... Uh, you know, just the struggles as, as the men that we were having in our lives for everything and, and you know, developed a, a big bond there and at the same time, invited him to uh, attend our small group and he started coming to our small group and uh, then he heard about the Tuesday morning men's Bible study and he started coming there and, and then I, I don't remember if it was before or after he started coming to the Tuesday morning Bible study that he decided that he wanted to be baptized and, and really follow Christ and um, just give his life to him and you know we baptized him here and since then just to see the change that Jesus has made in his life and uh, the love that has been poured into him that he is pouring out to others and the things that he is working on and everything is amazing Um, you know he had faith that God would bring him back to Phoenix to the, to be with his family and uh, we talked about that that journey often and, and now he's back home in Phoenix and and this Sunday today when you guys are watching this actually his uh, his wife is to be baptized this all happened because I was praying for one and I was I really wanted to be on the lookout for the one that, that I, I could impact Much, much better, right? Better than me trying to explain all that? I'd have, I'd, have, I'd have totally confused you guys if I'd have tried to have done that. Well, just want to welcome you guys this morning to Chester Christian Church. Uh, we're glad you're here, and uh, so good morning to you. Everybody doing well? Excellent, excellent. Well, as you saw in the video, we are, and as Evan has already said, we're continuing this series, Pray for One, and uh, that's what it's about. It's uh, simply praying for one. In the last couple of weeks, we've asked you guys to write down on cards, and if you need one of those cards, if you haven't been here in the last couple of weeks, you can come see me and I'll get you one, but we encourage you to write down the name of one person on that card that you would be praying for every single day. We also encourage you uh, to write down the name on these two blackboards that are in here, one in the back and one over here. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to do that the last two weeks, and we would encourage you to do that as well. Uh, at the end of our service today, we'll give you an opportunity to do that, but 
But we're just asking you to pray for that one. Pray that God would draw them to the cross and pray that God would use you uh, to speak into their life and for you to have the opportunity to share your story, uh, to share what God has done in your life. And uh, praying for one isn't necessarily about just that one either. It's about waking up every single day and just simply praying that prayer that we've been saying every week, right? We have it on the screen there, Gary? Uh, Lord, give me one person today to whom I can share your love, right? Lord, give me one person today to whom I can share your love. Let's say it together. You guys ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. I want you, I want you to say it now with some umph to it, okay? Like, like you mean it, right? Like, uh, Lord, give me one person, right? So you guys can do that for me? One, two, three. And that's, that's, what we're, that's what this series is about, and, and it's about praying for that one. Uh, Jesus was asked a question in Matthew chapter 22, verses 30, 60, 39, by an, an expert in the law. He was known as a lawyer. Uh, he had the first five books of the Old Testament. He knew them like the back of his hand. He, he knew the whole Old Testament, but, but he asked Jesus, he said, what, what's the greatest command? And Jesus responds, he says, uh, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so this idea of praying for one is a very simple concept. It's the idea of love, of God's love in, comes into our life, and then we pour, we, we pour that love out to, to others. Um, this idea of pray for one falls right in line with our purpose here at Chester Christian Church. We've said this every single week. Our purpose here, uh, if you don't know it, uh, I say it just about every single week. It's on a wall out there in the lobby. It's in your program every single week. But it starts out by simply saying, we are here to make much of Jesus. Right? Jesus is the center. Jesus is, is the reason we're here. He is the center of, of you know, the, the book, the Bible. Uh, he, he is the center of everything. And so you know, our, our goal every single week is to exalt Jesus in our service, to make much of him. And, and our vision for you is, is that when you leave this place, that you would also make much of Jesus in your uh, influences, where you're at, whether it be your, your home, your neighborhood, your workplace, school, wherever it may be, that you would make much of Jesus. And when you do that, you are sharing the love of God. You are pouring out God's love to other people. Jesus also said to his disciples in John thirteen thirty four, he said, a new command that I give you. This is right before he goes to the cross. This is at the Last Supper. He says, a new command I give you that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And Jesus is saying, this is my desire for you. This is my will for you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. And this is a new way of loving because traditionally uh, how people love, uh, we, we, we have limits to our love, right? Our love is conditional. It has stipulations. We will love someone as long as that love is being reciprocated. Right? We kind of like, kind of like that, the whole phrase, you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. You know, that, that's kind of the way, the way that we love. It has conditions on it. Um, oftentimes, our love is based on how we value another human being. You know, we, we kind of gauge that by, by how we value others. But Jesus said, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And the way that God has loved us, Scripture says, is that he demonstrates his love for us and that while we were still sinners... Right? While we were still actively rebelling against God, while we were turning our back from him, God sent his son 
to die for our sins. And so what we see throughout Scripture is that God initiates his love towards us. Right? We have rebelled against the creator of the universe, the one who has made us, who gives us good things. We've rebelled against him, and yet he initiates his love towards us. And God sent his son to die for us. And this is a forgiving type of love. It's a sacrificial love. It's a love without strings. It's a love without conditions. It's a love without limits. It's a new kind of love. And he says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to share this kind of love with other people. That's what this pray for one is all about. And so this new command, what it does is it it creates a a new paradigm, right? It creates a a new model, and Jesus is our model because the greatness of Jesus' love for us is what motivates us then to love others, right? And there's nothing I can do to to, to motivate you to love other people. I, I can stand up here and I can guilt you, but guilt is a horrible motivator, right? But, 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 but if I point you to Jesus and what he has done, and the gospel moves from your head to your heart, and he begins to change you from the inside out, that, that is what's going to motivate us to love like Jesus loved, right? If it's God's love in and God's love out. And Jesus is pretty clear that this is our purpose, and this is what we are supposed to be. We are partners with him on this mission of sharing his love to the world. And sometimes when Jesus was teaching, uh, he wanted to get a point across, he would use uh, stories, he would use parables. Now, we looked at one of those parables last week, and we said that a parable is simply an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, right? He would say so Jesus would come along, and to get a point across, he would take everyday, ordinary, common things that people would understand and, and gravitate to, and then he would apply that to a deeper spiritual truth, right? And so one of these parables that Jesus tells is found in the book of John. That's not where we're going to be today, but I'm just going to share this with you, okay? Uh, John chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. And I'm not sure if these will be on the screen or not, um, but this is not our main passage. Our main passage is actually in Acts, Acts chapter 8. If you want to go ahead and turn there, I'll give you a few minutes to do that. I'll give you a few minutes to do that. If you're wondering why I have this extension cord, it's for a purpose. I'm just not, I just, John, uh, see Acts chapter 8 is going to be our, our main passage, but I want to share this, this little short parable with you. That Jesus shares with his disciples. So John 15, 1 through 5, I think it is going to be on the screen so you can follow along with me. This is Jesus talking. And he's talking about, he uses a vine and some branches and some grapes, right? And so I imagine if Jesus was there, there was probably a grapevine there. And so he kind of illustrates this by using visuals with his disciples, with his followers. And Jesus says, I am the true vine. Notice he says the true vine, right? Because there's a lot of fake, there's a lot of false vines out there. I've told the story, I used to uh, use this illustration with the kids. Uh, you know, when you, uh, how many of you guys like Dr. Pepper? Anybody Dr. Pepper in here, right? I love, Dr. Pepper's my favorite, right? So I go to a restaurant, and I ask Dr. Pepper, and they say, Mr. Pibb, I'll say Coke. I'm like, I'm not dealing with Mr. Pibb. Mr. Pibb's like the false vine. You know, Dr. Pepper is the true vine. Or they have that Dr. Dr. Thunder, you guys know Dr. Thunder. It just doesn't compare, right? So Jesus says, I am the true vine, because there's a lot of false vines out there. He says, my father is the vine dresser. He says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. 
Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So what Jesus is saying is if we remain in him, right? if we stay close to him, if we remain in him and he remains in us, then we will bear much fruit. But Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. In other words, you're dead apart from me. Your life is going to produce nothing. Now, when Jesus tells this particular story, he told it to a group of people who were like, oh yeah, yeah, that, that, makes, that makes perfect sense because they were all growing grapes, right? This is, he's, he's talking to a, a culture that, that, was, uh, that was agricultural society and they understood what all this was like and they, they knew that, man, you had to prune the branches in order for, for more fruit to grow. And yet I wonder today how many of you are actively growing grapes? I know some of you that would like to grow grapes, right, and make your own wine. I don't know. But, but how many of you are actively growing grapes? Right? Probably none of us, right? So when we read this story and we, we hear what Jesus is saying, it, maybe it's not like that aha moment for us, right? And so I thought that if, if Jesus was here today, he might tell a different parable, right? And so Jesus might say today, he says, <clears throat> he says, I am the outlet, right? I'm the power source. Everybody's got one of these in your house? Raise your hand if you've got one of these in your house. If you don't, then, <laughs> all right? So Jesus might say, I am the outlet. I am the power source, right? This is the world, and it's a dark place, and the world needs to connect to me, the power source. But they can't, right? Because of sin. Sin has separated them from God, and they are in a dark world. They're in a dark place, right? And they, and they want it. They, 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 they can't connect. And Jesus says that you are the... Okay. All right. Okay. Let's try this again. All right. <laughs> Jesus says, I am the outlet. Right? I'm the power source. You guys see that? Right? I'm the outlet. This is the world, right? Dark place. They're, they're separated from God. They, they want to connect. They can't connect because of their sin. And then Jesus says, you are the extension cord, right? <laughs> Y'all are killing me this morning. <laughs> All right. So Jesus says, you are the extension cord. And when you connect to me, when you remain in me, when you connect to me, and remain in me, your love, the love that, that I give to you, the Lord, the love that I've poured out to you, flows through you. I always have this fear that this is not going to work on Sunday morning. I tried it out this week, I promise. I promise. So here, here we go. You ready? Jesus says, your love, my love flows through you, and when you connect to others, Ah, sweet, sweet, right? And so Jesus is like, I'm the, I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm the outlet, I'm the power source, right? Dark world, you're the extension cord. When you remain in me and connect with me, my love flows through you, and you connect to other people, and lights get turned on, right? You produce fruit. Now, praying for one is kind of like, what is this? What, what is it? 
Serves, but there you go. Okay. Uh, you guys are, you guys are, you guys need some more coffee. We got some coffee out in the, uh, out in the lobby. If you guys help yourself to it, right? So, so praying for one, praying for one is like this, uh, this, this surge protector, right? This, this uh, multiple Alice here, right? And so the idea of praying for one is, is you pray for one, you connect with others, right? You multiply. And so Jesus says, uh, you, you, you connect to me, you remain connected to me, your love, my love flows through you, you're the extension cord, right? And when you pray for one, you not only connect Give me a second here. All right. I hope this works. Oh, yeah, we got some power there. Look at that, man. Look at that. Huh? Huh? So, so the idea is praying for one. You heard, you heard Royal's testimony, right? Royal connected with Jerry. Right, Jerry, he, he, was, he was in, in the world, he was lost, he was in a dark place. Uh, Royal connected with him, he prayed for one, and now, now Jerry is back in Phoenix. How many of you guys met Jerry while he was here? Right, great, great guy, super guy. And now Jerry is back home, and he is discipling his family, praying for his family. And then you heard him say today that what, she is getting baptized today as we speak. Right, so this idea of praying for one is kind of like multiplying, right? It's like, it's like you grow, right? It's like, it's like multiplication, and that's what Jesus is talking about. When we pray for one, we connect, we show God's love, we turn on a light, and then we turn on another light, and so it multiplies, right? Last week, it only takes a spark. How many, how many of you got that song was in your head all week long this past week? Are there some of you? Yeah. Yeah, I, right, I was singing it in the shower this past week. It was, it was in my head all week long, right? And so when we pray for one, this is, this is what happens next, right? This is what happens next, right? We, we connect, and God's love flows through us as an extension, and we produce lots of fruit, right? And so we will turn a lot of lights on, and we won't be in a dark world, dark place. And I want to show you how this works out, how this plays out in Acts chapter 8 with a guy named Philip. Now, Philip is mentioned 15 times in the book of Acts, uh, not to be confused with uh, the Apostle Philip, uh, but the book of Acts kind of tracks his life through three different stages of development. First time you see Philip is in Acts chapter 6, and basically there's this huge need for some gifted leaders, uh, basically deacons, servant leaders, to take care of some poor widows in the church who are being overlooked in Jerusalem. And so Philip volunteers, he is chosen to be a part of that group of servant leaders to find a solution to that problem, right? He is mentioned in our story today as one of the guys to be a catalyst, really, for the gospel advancing uh, and, and to, to beyond Jerusalem and Judea. Um, and so he's a catalyst for that because in Acts chapter 1, if you uh, are familiar with that, Jesus told his disciples, he says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the other, other parts of the world, right? To the ends of the earth. And so, so Philip is a catalyst for that. And then Philip is also mentioned in Acts chapter 21, where he planted a church in Caesarea Philippi as an evangelist, and it mentions that he has four virgin daughters who prophesy. And so that's, that's where we see Philip. So in Acts chapter 8, if you're there, uh, we see that uh, the very opening verses there, we see that Saul who later becomes the Apostle Paul, uh, 
is persecuting the church, and as a result of the persecution, it's, it's fascinating that the church actually expands, the church grows, right? The, the church is being persecuted, and so it, it scatters, and it begins to grow, and we see Philip in verse 4 in the city of Samaria proclaiming Christ. Now, I want you to hang with me just for a second because I want to take you on a quick journey. You guys want to go on a quick journey with me? And I want to show you how this praying for one uh, works and how, how we can turn on a lot of lights, okay? So, so I want to take you on this quick journey. Uh, so you don't have to turn there, but I'm going to be really fast. I'm going to try to go through this really fast for you. But in the Gospel of John, all right, we've talked about John the last several weeks. John is the one who wrote the Gospel of John. He wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. He wrote Revelation. He's the guy in the Gospel of John who refers to himself as the one who Jesus loved. But in John chapter 4, uh, he tells a story about how Jesus and his disciples are actually walking through Samaria. And as they are walking through, they stop at a well to take a break. And Jesus sends his disciples into town to get some food and, and some drinks. While Jesus is resting by the well, now it says it's about noonday, right? So it's kind of the hardest, hottest part of the day. And so Jesus is kind of resting at the well. And while he's resting, a woman approaches. A woman comes to the well. And whose reputation was, was known for kind of sleeping around, right? Her reputation was not very good. Uh, and, and it just shows the fact that she's coming to the, to the well at noon, the hottest part of the day. Because most of the time, the women would come to the well early in the morning before it got too hot. And so she would come at noon to avoid all the other women because nobody liked this woman, right? She, was, she had a bad reputation right? Uh, and so she approached the well. Now, you need to know that there was a long time just this deep hatred between Jews and Samaritans, right? Jews despised Samaritans. They hated them. And, and this goes all the way back to the Old Testament, 722 B.C. Um, in ba- Babylonian captivity. And, and so the Jews hated Samaritans. They, they, would, they would, matter of fact, if they were traveling and they knew they had to go through Samaria, they would reroute and walk around Samaria just to avoid Samaritans. Uh, they, they would pray in the temple that God would not save Samaritans. Man, this is, this is, this is how much of a, of a deep hatred that they had for the Samaritans. And that's why when Jesus engages this woman in a conversation, it is so shocking. Like when you read this text and you know the history, you're like, you're just blown away. One, she's a woman, okay? And in the first century world, you know, the women, they just they didn't have that much clout. But not just a woman. I mean, she's a woman with a bad reputation. Like, everybody knew who that woman was. And she's a Samaritan, right? So it's just three strikes against her. She's out, right? And yet Jesus engages her, right? Even the woman is shocked by what she says. She says, how is it that you being a Jew ask me for a drink? For Jews don't even associate with Samaritans, right? This woman knew the history. She knew all about it. But this, listen to me, this is the love that Jesus is talking about. This is the love that Jesus is talking about. The gospel, listen to me, the gospel overcomes racial and ethnic boundaries. Right, we talked about that a few weeks ago. The the gospel overcomes socioeconomic class. It's it's obvious that, that Jesus woke up that day. Listen, it's obvious that Jesus woke up that day and prayed for one. Because as he's sitting there at the well, tired, he could have easily just kind of went to the other side of the well and just kind of avoided the woman. He could have been like, I'm just not in the mood to talk right now. But he saw her approach, and he says, you know what, this is my one. This is my one. And so he engages her. He connects with her. 
And, and this, is, this is what's amazing, right? Is he, is he initiates his love towards her with all of her mess, with all of the things in her life. He has this, this conversation with her and, and exposes, right, the, in, in, a, in a loving way, this sin in her life. And that's what the gospel does. That's what Jesus does. So he connects with her, and, then, and it changes her life, right? And she goes back to her town in Samaria, and she tells everyone what's happened, right? She's so excited. She's like, you've got to hear what this man named Jesus has done for me. And in John 4.39, I want you to really, really hear this. It says, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Jesus connects with her. She goes back, connects with others. His love flows through this woman to the town, and lots of lights get turned on, right? That's how pray for one works. That's what happens next. Now, fast forward to a few years later in Acts chapter 8, verse 5, and this is the reason why I told that story uh, with Jesus and, and the woman at the well. So Philip went down to the city of Samaria, may catch that, and proclaimed to them Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what he was, was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. Now, why, why do you think that Philip was able to, to go into Samaria, that part where he was at, and freely proclaimed Christ, and, and, and lots of people received him, and much joy was in that city. Why do you think that was? Because of John 4, right? Because Jesus connected with a Samaritan woman. Samaritan woman, the love flowed through her to a town, and, and she connected with the townspeople, and they received Christ, and now Philip is going back there years later, and, and the gospel continues to explode. Continues to explode. It multiplies. But it gets even better than that. Jump down to Acts chapter 8, verse 26. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian uh, eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah, that's an Old Testament book of the Bible, and the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him. Now I want to stop right there for a second. I want to point out just a couple of things that we learn from Philip, uh, because when we are willing to pray for one, and I've said this every single week of the series, when we are willing to wake up each day and pray for one, I guarantee you that God's going to answer that prayer 100% of the time. I got a text message this morning from our prayer team leader, Kathy Farrell, who is just exploding with joy because she says, Aaron, I am so excited because every day I've prayed for one, and every day God has opened the door for me to share uh, his love with somebody. It's exciting. It's exciting. And God's going to answer that prayer every single time. But the first thing we see with Philip is, obedience obedience 
And this is what's amazing, right? Because, listen, things were going well for Philip in Samaria, right? I mean, people were coming to the Lord. They were having just a great time, man. They were, they were singing some, some worship songs, and they were uh, dancing and, and, and all kinds of different things. And, 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 the, and, the, and Philip's ministry was fruitful there. And, and God says, I want, you to, I want you to get up, and I want you to go. And the road that he traveled on is described as a, as a desert place. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean uh, desert in the sense of like a dry, arid land, but it can also mean not heavily traveled. So he wouldn't have passed through many villages or towns on his way to Gaza. So Philip goes from being surrounded by all kinds of people in Samaria, people hearing the gospel, people responding to Jesus, and, and, and he could have been easily been like scratching his head thinking, okay, God, what's going on here? I don't understand. Right, things are going good in Samaria. Things are going so well, why do I have to go? Can you send someone else? Right, on top of that, God gives little information to Philip. It's not like he lays out this grandiose plan and says, okay, Philip, this is step-by-step itinerary of what's going to happen when you get there. Right? He just says, go, go. And with complete trust and obedience, Philip goes. And I understand, man, this is sometimes difficult for us because we, we are people who like to be in control, don't we? We like to know what's going to happen next. We want to know uh, the whole plan. And sometimes God just says, you know what? You just need to go. You just need to go and engage. You need to go and have that conversation. Sometimes we just need to be obedient. You know, and I can't really sit here and, and, and describe for you what that feels like. I mean, I think if, if you've experienced it, you know it's, it's this feeling you get where you just know that you need to go over and engage somebody or have a conversation with somebody. I, I'll give you a few examples. Um, so I'll, I'll start with just the most recent here. Um, Jews started kindergarten this past year, and uh, we, we were excited about that, and we were a little nervous about the bus, bus ride, though. Uh, even though it's a very short bus ride, I had been bound and determined that I was going to take him to school every morning, and then we would pick him up every day. So I, my, my, he's not going to ride that bus. Because I, I, I've heard horror stories about the bus. Anybody else heard horror stories about bus, right? Yeah, absolutely. You hear horror stories about bus rides. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, I, just, I don't feel comfortable with this. I don't, I don't want this to, you know. And so I was bound and determined, okay, he's going he's to not ride the bus. I'm going to take him. And then as time got closer and closer, Rob and I were talking about it and thinking through it. And again, it's not like this, this magical spiritual moment where, like, the heavens open up and you have this vision. You know, it's not like that. It was just one of those moments like, you know what, maybe we just let him ride the bus. You know, it's not that long of a ride and we'll just try it out. And so we just said, okay, we'll just do this. And so he began to ride the bus. And what's amazing is, is that it has opened up a ton of opportunities for us to meet new neighbors and to have conversations with those neighbors at the bus stop every single morning and every single afternoon the same neighbors we've met we've met two or three new neighbors and it's been awesome it's been great to have conversations with them and we try to sow gospel threads we try to plant gospel seeds like we talked about last week right and it's just been a cool cool opportunity we've had some of them at our house already uh, to play with Jude, and it's just been a really cool thing. And so that's one of the ways that we just kind of stepped out there, even though we didn't want to. We want to be in control, right? Another one, uh, a couple of years ago, I've shared this, I think I've shared this story with you guys before, but I was getting on a plane in uh, Richmond, flying to Louisville for a conference, and uh, I sat down beside this young lady, and uh, I mean, we hadn't been sitting there but just a few minutes, and the lady 
her name was Jasmine. She asked uh, the, the flight attendant, she said, can you give me a barf bag? She said, you know, I'm afraid I might barf. And I'm sitting there, and she looks at me, and she says, I know that's not what you want to hear sitting beside me. And, uh, and so I just thought, man, what a perfect opportunity then to start up a conversation with this woman. And so for the next two hours, uh, we began to talk about her faith. She was a Sikh. If you don't know what a Sikh is, you can look that up and Google it. Uh, but that was her religion, and she talked about the Sikh temple that she goes to uh, here in Richmond. She lives up in the Middle Othian area. And it gave me the opportunity to, to listen and hear what she was saying. And then I got to share with her about Jesus and, and, and our faith and what we believe in our church here in Chester. And it was just a really cool experience. And so we got off that plane, and I didn't think I'd ever see Jasmine again. I prayed for her, and, uh, and that, that's how it went. So fast forward three months later, I am sitting at the Panera Bread on Middle Oakland Turnpike. Uh, and I, I go in there, it's an afternoon, and I have my work with me, and I was just going to sit down there in a quiet booth and just, you know, work to myself, no big deal. I'm standing in line, this guy walks in behind me, this older gentleman, probably in his 60s, uh, and he's, uh, his name is Stephen. And I could tell from the get-go, man, this guy is a regular here, and he is just chatty, like he's got that exter- you know, uh, external personality, uh, extrovert-type person, and he's chatty, and he's talking up a storm, and, and I could tell through the conversation that... Uh, that, that, that maybe he doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, right? Just some of the things he was saying. And so I remember I got my coffee, and I go over, sit down in the booth, and, and I open up my Bible, and I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm reading, and Stephen sits over this way from me. And, and again, I got that, 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 that feeling. I can't describe it, but it's just one of those things. It's like, okay, I think I need to go over and talk to this guy. And I'm, and I'm, an, extrovert, I'm an extroverted person anyway, right? I'll talk to anybody. I'll talk to the wall. Right, but but still, but it's still a little scary, right? Still a little nervous, and I'm saying, thinking, okay, God, are you sure about this? You know, I'm, I'm starting to question, right? I'm, I'm maybe doing what I don't know that Philip did that or not. I'm just saying maybe he did. I, I don't know, but I'm sitting here like, okay, God, are you sure about this? Are you sure about this? And, and I remember saying, I'm reading the Bible, man. How can I not? You know, I gotta go over and talk to this guy, right? And so I, I went over there, shaking in my boots, and I said, excuse me, sir. I introduced myself to him. He introduced himself to me. And we sat down there, and for the, like the next 15, 20 minutes, I just asked him some questions about his beliefs and his faith. And I got to share about my belief and my faith. And, and he said he was a Christian, that he believed it. You know, it was just a fascinating, but it was a fascinating way, conversation we had. And I felt like that I was being obedient to what God was asking me to do. But here, here's the cool part of that story, right? So I shared my faith with that dude. Go back over the table. My adrenaline at this point is flowing. Like, I, am, like I can't even begin to look back down and start studying. So I'm just kind of like observing the room, looking up. I look up at the drink machine, and I see somebody that looks familiar. And I walk up, and I said, excuse me. And she turned around, and I said, Jasmine? And she looked at me, and she said, oh, my gosh, Aaron. You know, it was Jasmine from the plane, right? And I was like, hey, what is the chances of me running? But see, if I had never, here, here's my point, okay? If I had never, if I had not been obedient, walked over to that guy, my head would have been buried. Right? I would have never looked up, and I would have never seen Jasmine. So, do you see the connection there? Right? So, I think sometimes God is just calling us to be obedient and respond. And it may be uncomfortable. It may be out of our comfort zone. But, man, God is calling us to do that. Second, we see that Philip is available. Now, I love this. Philip's, Philip's availability is what positioned him to be used by God. He was willing to do whatever the Lord wanted him to do. And here's the thing, man. I want you to understand this. Philip was not an apostle. Right? Philip was not uh, an educated Bible college student. He was simply a servant leader who used his gifts and talents to serve the Lord, and he was available to be used by God. And oftentimes, listen to me, oftentimes that's how our spiritual journey 
works, right? Our desire for you here at Chester Christian Church is to grow. Is to grow. We're not content with you just to come here every Sunday, and, and we want you to grow in your faith. We want the gospel to move from your head to your heart. We want you to be changed and transformed. And the best way to grow is to, to be in the Word of God. Right? I stress that all the time. Be in the Word of God. Be, remain connected to Him. Be in the power source. And then to serve. Right? I'm going to tell you something. Serving, getting involved in serving is one of the best ways to accelerate your spiritual growth. And you may be sitting there thinking to yourself, man, you're lying. I'm like, I'm not lying. Just ask anybody that's involved in serving. They'll tell you, man, that, that that's going to accelerate your spiritual growth. Get involved in a ministry Learn what your spiritual gift is. We've talked about that in the past, right? Use it to serve the Lord. When you serve, it's going to accelerate your spiritual growth, I promise. I think about, I think about Donnie and Shirley Warren. Evan mentioned them at the beginning of the service. They, they have been doing this for years, this free family movie night, before I even came here. Uh, did you guys start that when you opened the building up here in 06? Shortly after. What? What? Okay. January 2007, they've been doing, and this is what's cool, man, is they, they, they correct me if I'm, well, maybe I shouldn't say this, but, um, well, I will go ahead and say it, and if, if, if I get in trouble, if you guys get mad at me for it, oh, well, uh, <laughs> I'll ask for forgiveness later, but, but here, here's the cool part about this, right, they, they, it's, they, they do it on their own dime, am I correct, correct, okay, okay, still, I mean, if you guys have never been to the free movie night, the amount of popcorn that gets consumed in this place is insane. The amount of candy. Trust me, I've got two kids that, that every time they're here, man, like, I'm thinking you guys are going to, like, puke your guts out later tonight, right? I mean, it's the amount of candy that is consumed in this place, the amount of sodas and, and drink. I mean, it's just amazing. I and mean, they've been doing this since 2007, and they've served. And would you guys agree that it's helped you grow in your spirit? Absolutely. And this thing is open up to the community, and I was just blown away because every time I come, um, it, it's about half. It's about 50% of the people that are here are church people, and then 50% are community people. And you see a lot of the same community people, and it's been a really, really cool thing to see. And, and that's been an awesome ministry, right? They stepped out. They were obedient. They were available, and God is using them in that, in that, in that regards. I think about the Blick and Hester small group. I think about how you guys stepped out in obedience and you were available to be used by God and start Par 3 Ministry. If you're not familiar with Par 3 Ministry, it's a ministry out on Jeff Davis Highway and they've been doing it now for over a year. And I'm, I'm sure that when you guys began that, I'm sure that some of you have had reservations. I'm sure some of you are like, I don't know about this, man. I'm, this is a little scary. It's a little out of my comfort zone, right, because we like to be in control. But it's a great, great example, man, of being obedient and being available and using your gifts to serve the Lord. And they're out there, man, and they're, they're building relationships with people, and they're making a difference in that community. And now they're talking about expanding it. Right? And they, they did this on their own. Right? This, is not, this is not, hey, I came to them and said, hey, would you guys be willing to do this? This was, this was them coming and saying, hey, we want to do this because of what God was doing in their life. They were obedient. They were available, just like, just like Philip. Finally, we see that, that Philip pointed this Ethiopian eunuch to Jesus. Look at 8, Acts chapter 8, verse 29. It says, And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join his chariot. So Philip ran to him, and he heard him reading 
the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. This is from Isaiah, by the way. This is what he's reading uh, in the Old Testament. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shear is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this generation? For his life is taken away from earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? And so what he was reading, he was reading the famous passage in Isaiah, the suffering servant, about how Christ was going to suffer on the cross for our sins. And so this, this eunuch is like, I, I, who, is this, who is he talking about? The, the prophet Isaiah or who, who, who? And so Philip opened his mouth. I love that, right? He opened his mouth and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. Listen, man, listen. It doesn't matter what we do because if we are not pointing people to Jesus. How many times do I tell? Every single week, man, right? We want to point people to Jesus. If we're not pointing people to Jesus, then it doesn't really matter what we do. Right? Whenever someone is confused or they have a question about Christianity, it is imperative. It is imperative that we center them on Jesus. Right? It's, it's imperative that we do that. Because when we start debating people about ethics and we start debating people about, you know, what politics and what the president's doing or what our current culture is doing, if we get into those debates and we start uh, you know, fussing and arguing with people about those different things, then, then, then that rarely ever, ever leads anybody to Christ. Would you agree? Ever. Never. I know anybody that came away from an argument about ethics or politics or anything and said, you know, I think I'm, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. <laughs> I don't think so. The most important thing we can do for someone who is far from God is to point them to Jesus. Point them to Jesus, right? That's why our purpose is make much of Jesus. Every single week, we want to point you to Jesus. This is what Philip does. People's greatest need isn't to be convinced about politics or anything like that. It's, 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 it's their greatest need is, is to be introduced to their Savior, to Jesus. And when we pray for one, we are looking to help them find the one, Jesus who can fulfill that need. All right, so Philip explained how Jesus was crucified on the cross for that eunuch's sins. He explained how he came and how he suffered and he died, how he lived a life that he could not live and how he died a death that he should have died and how Jesus paid the price for his sins. And so the eunuch hears this good news and he's just like, what, what in the world keeps me from being baptized? Like, I want to get baptized. I want, I want to, uh, to give my life to to Jesus, and so they, they, they go down into the, the river there, and Philip baptizes the eunuch, and he gives his life to the Lord. So what I want you to understand, man, is praying for one is missional. It's about being on mission with God. We understand why we're here and what we're supposed to do, right? Praying for one is going to change your faith from just being an, an every week event to an every day event, adventure, Right? It's, it's going to change. It's going to change you. Right? We, we're, we're not here to, to just entertain you. Right? We're, we're not here to just be this cute little church. But we are here to do what? We're here to turn on a lot of lights. Now, I've told you before, man, we're never going to be that church that, that puts on a concert. You know, uh, we're never going to be that church that just tries to entertain people. 
Uh, we're, we're simply going to be the church that uh, we're going to worship God and we're going to point people to Jesus because he is the reason we're here and he's the only one that can save us. We're here to show, share the love of Jesus with those around us. You know, Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, I said it earlier, he says, you will receive power. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes and your love is going to flow through uh, my love is going to flow through you, and you're going to connect. You're going to be my witnesses. You're going to turn on a lot of lights in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the other parts of the world, right? Now, check this out. So Philip shares with this Ethiopian eunuch, and, and right there, man, in, in eight chapters of Acts, uh, Jesus' words are pretty much fulfilled, right? Because uh, the eunuch is going to go back to northern Africa and share the good news, the gospel, and the gospel is going to continue to spread. Isn't that amazing? And that's what, that's what God is calling us to do. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you for your love for us and the way that you have initiated that love towards us and how you pursue after us. Father, we thank you for Jesus and his, this new paradigm that he has shown us, this model love. God, and how he wants us to love like this. Father, we, we, we've got names here on the chalkboards in this room, and these names represent people that we are praying for. People who are far from God or who do not have a relationship with you. And, and Father, we are just praying that you will draw them to you. Father, we are praying that you will use individuals who wrote those names to, uh, to share the love of God with them. That your love would flow out of them, and that they would connect with them, and that they would turn on lights Father, we thank you so much for your grace and mercy. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So we want to give you guys an opportunity to, uh, to write a name on the chalkboard. Uh, we got one in the back, one on the side. If you haven't had a chance to do that yet, uh, please do that. There's chalk on the floor for you to do that. Just write the first name only. And we're going to pray for those names every single week. If you're here this morning and you see any encouragement, you need some prayer, uh, we have a prayer team member that's up front uh, here. And we have one in the back that, that would love to pray for you. If you're here and you have not received Christ, if you're like the Ethiopian eunuch, you know, and, and, and you hear the message that your sins are forgiven and you want to, to receive Christ, I would love to talk to you about that this morning as well. So would you stand up and join us this morning as we sing this song?